the cut is extremely welcome and probably overdue. It's the news behind it that's grim. Greetings from NPR's Planet Money. I'm Laura Conaway. Adam Davidson is in Washington, D.C. today. He is working, absolutely. It's Thursday, November 6th. It's about 3.27 p.m. here in New York City. Coming up on the show today, we're going to look at how the government is doing with its big plan to save the economy. Some of you have been asking whether they're still going to buy those toxic assets. So we've been asking, too. And I'm Dan Costello. We're also looking at what happens when big corporations have friends in high places. First, a couple of Planet Money indicators. That clip you heard at the top of the show was Michael Fallon of the Conservative Party in the U.K. The central bank there slashed interest rates by a point and a half to 3%. That is a huge cut, and it shows you something about how leaders really all around the world are worried about this economy slowing way down. I saw another number today that I just blogged. The U.S. Labor Department says non-farm productivity, that's making of stuff that isn't grown or raised, was up by 1.1% in the last quarter. But the reason for that is that there were layoffs and everybody else who was left just did more and went faster. Dan, can you relate? I can relate. And, uh, you know, I think uh, so can a lot of people out there who's listening. That's right. You feel like you're doing more than one job? You know, you might be. You might be doing a job in a hundredth. Or and they were, already, they were already working pretty hard, right? Caitlin says she's working real hard. They're over there. Okay. And now that big bailout. The Treasury Department gave the first report to Congress on the $700 billion bailout. I love saying that this week. Ah, so far, the department has deployed $115 billion in capital for banks. It's Yikes. pledged another $10 billion pending the Merrill Lynch Bank of America merger. Planet Money's David Kestenbaum sat down with Jennifer Zuccarelli, spokesperson for the Treasury Department, to find out where exactly all that money is going and whether or not it's working. It's going to um, an initial uh, eight or nine major financial institutions. You know, they were the initial sort of leaders to take the initial capital injections, but then we've also been um, in talks with uh, a large number of regional banks to do additional capital injections. And the idea is that you buy some share, you buy preferred stocks in these banks, and the mm-hmm. banks get more money, and hopefully that makes it easier for them to lend or do what they do every day. Exactly. The purpose of this program uh, is to strengthen our financial institutions so that we can get our uh, credit moving again. Um, but again, most importantly, to strengthen the financial system and our financial institutions, you know, which will help lending and, and just help get activity going again. So is it working so far? Can we tell? Uh, you know, we've seen uh, a lot of progress. Markets are still um, strained, but we are seeing progress um, in the funding markets, and, and there has been, you know, there has been some progress. But again, it's going to take some time to get the capital out there to all of these large and regional banks and, and get things moving. So yeah, there are people who say we're throwing so much money at this. Why haven't we seen more of a reaction to it? Mm-hmm. I mean, keep in mind that we, um, you know, made the initial transactions. Uh, I guess about two weeks ago. Um, and, you know, we are seeing improvements in the funding markets. Um, but, you know, it's, it's going to take some time. We, you know, we've been very clear on this from the beginning that, you know, there's just, there's no one single solution and it will take some time. But, you know, it's, it's not going to happen overnight, but we are seeing some initial signs of thawing in the credit markets. So um, Barney Frank, uh, you know, Democrat from Massachusetts, some other members of Congress, have said uh, it looks like some of what the banks are doing with this money is buying up other banks. Uh, that's not what we thought the money would go toward. We thought it would free them up to do more lending. So what's the Treasury's uh, perspective on that? 
You know, the the purpose of the program uh, was to strengthen our financial institutions, um, you know, and, and which we believe will, you know, strengthen our financial system and help to, you know, keep our economy going. And so, you know, the Secretary Paulson believes that banks will lend money, that, that this program will encourage uh, banks to lend money, and, and that he's confident to, that we will seize lending. Um, but, you know, the ultimate, you know, the bottom line is that we need to strengthen our financial system. And if acquisitions happen in that process, then that's fine, as long as it results in a, in a stronger financial system, which, again, will result in, you know, increased lending and improving credit. So the argument is maybe that's what the market Maybe that's the sensible thing for them to do at this point. There are banks that are struggling. These are better off banks, and what they need to do is acquire those so those banks, you know, can continue to function. Um, I mean, sure. You know, again, the bottom line just being that we need to have a stronger financial system and stronger, you know, financial institutions right now. Right. Some of the other criticisms you hear is, is just the secretive nature of all this that uh, Treasury won't talk about who has applied and been turned down for this money and who and what the criteria are exactly that they're using to decide, in some cases, which banks are going to live and which are going to die. Well, that, I mean, that's just it. You don't want to put a scarlet letter on any of the banks who aren't accepted into the program. At the same time, you don't want to waste taxpayer dollars by putting money into a, a financial institution that you know is is not going to be able to return it. Um, but why not be why not be more open about what the criteria are, though? I mean, you know, that would, in a sense, help everybody out, right? Then we'd have a better sense of what the health of these banks are. Sure. Well, what, what we are concerned about is, you know, we want to be transparent with the process as possible, and we've put a lot of information on the Treasury Department website about, you know, all the programs we've been doing for the uh, Economic Stabilization Act. Um, but as far as the specific criteria, um, you know, we're looking at the things that you would consider us to be looking at, you know, the health of the financial institution, um, you know, its its viability. But as far as putting out specific line items of criteria, you know, our concern is you don't want to, um, you don't want to, you know, show too much uh, of a formula for, for, you know, for the markets to be able to look at a particular financial institution and then possibly game who we're going to pick and who we're not going to pick, um, you know, based on the formula. So, you know, at this time, we don't believe that, you know, we should, sort of put, uh, you know, line item criteria out there on that. Right. Well, Howard, I guess the question is, how are taxpayers supposed to be assured that, you know, the, decision, the decisions are being made in a fair way and not because maybe someone making a decision had a tie to a bank or because some bank, uh, you know, had a friend in Congress or something like that? Sure. I mean, what we've been um, doing is working with the federal regulators. That's an important part of this program is just to have, you know, a number of different federal agencies working on this process. I mean, you have oversight and other people looking over your shoulder. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we have the GAO looking into this, but also, you know, the, the applications initially go to the bank's financial federal regulator. Um, and so they have direct ac- access into, you know, the bank's books to see, you know, how how healthy the financial institution is. Um, and so, you know, working with them as sort of the first line, and then they make a recommendation to the Treasury Department. It's a collaborative process, and, you know, we believe that the decisions are, are best made that way. You mean um, it would have to be an elaborate conspiracy with people <laughs> well, in various like agencies? To, <laughs> I'd like to look agree. at it as checks and balances. <laughs> okay. Um, also, Plan A originally uh, was – some way to buy up the toxic assets to unclog the system. And as I remember, Secretary Paulson or Ben Bernanke, they were saying, this is something we need to do right now, we need to do within days. And so far, that that hasn't happened. Is that still the plan to buy up these things? Well, you know, what what we did was we put out this uh, capital purchase program, you know, as we were going through the legislative this process. Is buying, this is buying shares in the banks. Excuse me, yeah, doing about. the, you know, buying shares in the banks, the program that you've seen us deploy, the first $115 billion. You know, we realized that that program would have a um, stronger effect and it could be 
implemented much quicker than uh, buying troubled assets. Uh, we are considering a wide range of possibilities still, um, which could include purchasing, which includes purchasing troubled assets, but no final decisions have been made. You know, it's it's uh, a really um, you know sort of challenging. Um, situation to figure out the best ways to do this and, and look at the different ways. You know, there's we've only committed the first 250 billion of this. And so, right. so you you might end up buying up the toxic assets, or or you might not. Unclear yet. Uh, we're, we're we are considering a wide range of possibilities, including purchasing troubled assets. You know, but it, I just want to emphasize that you know, as we said when we were first discussing the plan, we would consider auctions along with a number of other possibilities. Um, but not a definite thing at this point. Um, I would say that we are you know looking at a wide range of possibilities which includes purchasing troubled assets. Jennifer Zuccarelli with the Treasury Department, thanks very much. No problem. And we'll be following the progress of the bailout on our blog at npr.org slash money and in this podcast. Dan, what's going on your way? I came across this study this week that is timely and I thought was really interesting. And what it looks at is the composition of a company's board, the political affiliations of some of those board members, and what that might mean for the company's stock price. Okay. And so what this these researchers at Indiana University Kelly School of Business found is that when a company has someone on their board who worked in an administration, previous okay. administration, yep. and we have a new president coming into office, a Democrat or Republican, if their board member had Republican friends and a Republican comes in the White House, lo and behold, their stock price goes up. All right. And if they had only Democrats on the board and Republicans enter the White House, Lo and behold, their stocks go. Their stock goes down. So, is it about having friends? I mean, that's what they found. That's what they concluded. Uh, they they looked at the 2000 election. We all remember that one, right? Uh, Al Gore, George Bush, and they looked at all of the companies in S and P 500, all 500 of them. And they went through every single board member on all the boards. It's about six thousand wow. people, and they went through all of the bios, all the histories to see what was their background, what were their what were their connections, and they conclude that. Lo and behold, it does help to have friends in high places, and it ends up affecting the stock price. So I spoke to Michael Weisbeck, professor of finance at the Fisher College of Business at Ohio State University and the editor of the paper. A lot of the companies that tended to appoint these directors tended to have government contracts, and so it certainly is suggesting that it's more likely that they get those contracts when they have a director who is well-connected with the administration. Okay, Dan, how do we know that it has to do with this idea of being friends with board members? Could it be that maybe one administration just has different type of priorities, and so one type of business will do better under that party than under the other? Yeah, I mean, they, one of the things they want to know is, could it just be that the industry they looked at, say it's defense, that the entire defense industry might have benefited from George Bush's election? And that's a possibility. So what they did is they looked at other companies in that industry. They looked at their political donations to see if they supported George Bush. And what they found is it didn't matter if they supported George Bush or other Republicans. It only mattered if the people on their boards had worked in previous administrations. The companies were fairly randomly distributed across industries and across the country, and it seems very unlikely that other factors would have effect- affected one set of companies more than the other, since they are otherwise identical in terms of the industries and the kinds of things that they do. So are they thinking that this will play out this year? I mean, we're right in the middle of a big transition now. I mean, Democrat look, Barack Obama coming in. Well, yes and no. Here's what Weisbeck says. I think it would be a little bit less compelling just because, you know, 2000 was so close, and I think most people had a pretty good idea that Obama was going to win a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And so you wouldn't expect to see the kind of dramatic changes in stock prices today that 
you found in 2000. On the now, other that, side of the coin, you have government more involved in many industries right. today than they were eight years ago. Right, absolutely. And that doesn't mean the connections are worth any less. It's just that the the the, the change in the firm value would have been incorporated into the stock price uh, you know, probably earlier in the fall when it became clear that the Democrats were very likely to win. God, that's really interesting. It suggests that Wall Street was sort of watching the political process very self-interestedly. And you always wonder if that's the case, but it seems like they're really tracking it down. Dan Costello, thank you for that. And thank you, Michael Weisbach, for talking us through. That's a wrap for Planet Money. Me, I'm going to China tomorrow for a week and maybe for another day. I haven't yet actually taken the time to figure out my plane ticket and the international dateline, but I am coming back. And I do think I figured out my laptop meanwhile, so I will be filing from China if I possibly can. Thanks for listening to Planet Money. We've got some great shows coming up tomorrow and really all next week. I'm Laura Conaway, and I'll see you in a few days. Lady, I just wanna...